I would like to focus on, as Ellen White writes, the controlling power of appetite, or being slaves to appetite. How does a person control their appetite? How does a person stop being a slave to their appetite? Well, there may be a thousand ways, ways to gain control, but I have just one. Stop. Just stop. Stop eating. Now, there's a technical name for it. It's called fasting. Now, to some, this may sound like a swear word, but fasting is recorded in the Bible. In Judges chapter 20, verse 26, Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel, and there they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. See, the day before, they lost 40,000 men in battle. The next day, God gave them the victory. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14 through 18, here's a quick recap before I read these verses. King David sleeps with another man's wife, gets her pregnant, and then murders her husband. The prophet Nathan is talking to King David. Now, verse 14 through 18. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the night lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. King David fasted for seven days. In Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23, there, by the Ahivo Canal, I proclaim a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayers. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, I, while I was in the citadel, of Susan. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jews remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burnt with fire. 
When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. In Jonah chapter 3, 1 through 10, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very great, very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and the Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is a proclamation he issued to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. End quote. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 37, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. John Piper, born January 11, 1946, is an is a American Reformed Baptist pastor, and he says this, The absence of fasting is a measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. What does Jesus say on the subject of fasting? Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast. See, Jesus does not say if you fast. He says when you fast. Do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Now I have a little video for you guys to watch.
or it allows treatment to be more effective because those communities have also decided, oh, this vulnerability is really the main focal point of fasting in cancer clinics, and that's how fasting affects the metabolism of antidepressants. In a healthy cell, this is something that's quite different. You see, a healthy cell, as I mentioned earlier, has the ability to say, wait a minute, there's no glucose coming into the equation now. There's no carbohydrates. In fact, this looks healthy at all. Well, we need to shift gears. We need to tell the mitochondria in that cell to start burning fat and storing body tissue. So it starts wasting away the fat, starts using energy because it's a very efficient, smart cell. Whereas cancer cells, although they're smart in a vindictive, terrible, manipulative way, they're not very smart when it comes down to metabolism. They're kind of a one-trick pony. So that's really how the metabolism generator system is constructed. And lastly, we have to look at inflammation and how it relates to digestion. When we eat food, it takes a big toll on our body. I'm not saying you should never eat, but the fact is, this traditional way of thinking where we just eat constantly, we're always busy, we're always eating at least three or four square meals per day, is really, really hard on our body. We may not feel it, but it's happening in the inflammatory levels of your body. So when you're fasting, you're reducing the production of what is called intermittent six, which is a very powerful stimulator for inflammation, and you're also reducing something known as hemodysosis factor one alpha. And just like the name implies, hemodysosis factor one alpha, it has to do directly with cancer and skin. So when you reduce the production of that through not eating, you end up reducing the ability to see the cancer cells, but also you lose the ability to create cancer cells in the first place. So at the end of the day, fasting is not only a tremendous way to help treat cancer and adjunct with proper pharmaceutical intervention and proper hydrocyanin sleep therapy, it's also very helpful as a preventative measure. So as always, I want to make sure you keep a block with your own hands. If you do have ideas for future videos around the world, In a way, we are, in a sense, killing ourselves with our food. We truly live in a land of plenty. Anything our little hearts desire, we can get. We gorge ourselves with food, and then when we get sick, what do we do? Well, we sure don't stop eating. We'll ask our church family for prayer, when what we should be doing is fasting and praying to God. Go on a three-day fast. Go on a five-day fast. At jpost.com, under Israel News, Faith and Fasting, Elise Berlow, a Colorado-based Jewish educator and the author and founder of WIC, which is Women in Chesnik and Karov, told JNS that fasting in Judaism generally centers around atonement for previous wrongdoings, mourning or gratitude, and that abstaining from food one realizes his or her dependence on God and appreciates the substance God provides. Is fasting easy? The answer is a resounding no. It is completely terrible. But first, let's understand how your system works. This is from the mayoclinic.org website. How long does it take to digest food from the time you eat it to the time you excrete it? Digesting time varies between individuals and between men and women. After you eat, it takes about six to eight hours for food to pass through your stomach and small intestines. Food then enters your large intestine or colon for further digestion, absorption of water, and finally elimination of undigested food. In the 1980s, the Mayo Clinic researchers measured digestion time in 21 healthy people. 
Total transit time from eating to elimination stool averaged 53 hours. The average transit time through just the large intestine, or the colon, was 40 hours, with a significant difference between, between men and women, 33 hours for men and 47 hours for women. Just a side note, 90% of the nutrients is absorbed through the small intestines. Fasting. You have to program your mind to want to feel hungry. Hunger will be your constant companion for days. Day one of your fast. It's not too bad. Remember, your body is still receiving nutrients of what you ate yesterday. You have a few hunger pains, but it is doable. I know because I went through these fasts. Day two. This is your worst day. Hunger pains are taken over at this point. Maybe you're feeling dizzy. Maybe you're getting headaches. Maybe you're feeling weak and shaky. You see, your body is crying out for food. Ever since you were born, you have been feeding this living machine of yours every day, multiple times per day, and now you just stopped. Your stomach is growling. It's hurting. You have this constant hunger. It almost feels like someone is ripping your stomach out of your body. During this stage, if you're like me, you'll go to the fridge to see what you cannot have. And not just once, but many times that day. It's just how we're programmed. What do you do when you, go, when you get hungry? You go to the fridge. Now here's the worst part about day two of your fast. Your spouse will unknowingly decide to grab the biggest apple in the house, come to the same room where you're suffering, decide to sit down and start crunching that juicy apple. Like, hello, I'm fasting here, do you mind? Maybe you're, in, you're a family that likes to sit down together at meal times. So you are there fasting, watching them eat. If, and I mean if, you can survive day two, day three is much better. See, at day three, you feel this emptiness inside of you, but the hunger pains are gone. Day three, day four, and day five is like a walk in the park. You don't feel for food. I was told at some point in time the hunger would come back, but I myself have never went that far. The body can only store a two-day supply of glucose in the form of glycogen. So after two days of consuming no carbohydrates, most people go into, into ketosis. Why would I say most people? Because some people have a condition called Lipodystrophy, which is a condition in which your body is unable to store any type of body fat. So they basically skip the ketosis, the, the ketosis level. Ketosis, what is it? Ketosis is a normal metabolic process, something your body does to keep working. When it doesn't have enough carbohydrates from food for your cells to burn for energy, it burns fat instead. This results in a buildup of acids called 
ketones within the body. Ketosis can become dangerous when ketones build up. Now, as you know, I'm not a doctor. But personally, I believe that a person should still be consuming the recommended amount of water that is required by your body per day. This will help to flush out the ketones in your body. What is the recommended amount of water? Take your body weight in pounds, divide that number by two, and that is the amount of ounces of water that you should have per day. For example, I know people don't like to say their weight, but I'm 180 pounds. So 180 divided by two is 90 ounces, or 90. So that's the amount of ounces that I need to consume per day. Now there's eight ounces to a cup of water. So 90 ounces per day divided by eight is 11 cups of, well, 11.25 11 cups of water per day. Now this water bottle holds two cups of water. So I need to drink just six bottles of water per day to keep myself hydrated. Now during a fast, there's something else that your body goes into, autophagy. What is autophagy? Well, autophagy is a process when the body is under cellular stress that it'll eat up older unnecessary cells, damaged cells, and regenerating new cells. It will remove old cell proteins, which is very important when you have unnecessary scar tissue. Autophagy can also help with infection or bacteria control. Autophagy is basically house cleaning for your body. Your body will take these unnecessary elements within itself and use them for energy. Now here's the fine print. It takes about three to five days for autophagy to kick in. Now let's recap all of this. You eat your last meal tonight. Uh, just a side note, uh, pizza will throw off these values. It takes six to eight hours for your stomach just to digest pizza. And another eight hours to pass through your small intestine for nutrient extraction before it gets to your colon for the final nutrient extraction. Just keep in mind as I lay out to you this timeline. Your fasting would start Sunday morning. But let's not forget, the food that you will eat tonight, your body is still extracting nutrients from it till well into Sunday. Monday and Tuesday, your body is using up its glycogen stores. By Wednesday morning, your glycogen stores are depleted. Ketosis kicks in. Your body is now burning fat for energy. You'll be able to tell because your urine will have a strong, different smell to it because of the ketone bodies. Now, for argument's sake, let's say that autophagy doesn't happen until day five. You have to wait until Friday before the health benefits of autophagy just start. The question is, how many days of house cleaning would be beneficial for you? How does fasting affect our brains? Fasting increases the BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Studies have shown that fasting 36 hours plus BDNF will increase up to 400%. Benefits of this increase is formation of new neurons 
in your brain as well as new synapses. Also, you have an increase of brain energy. You will have more focus, better memory. Why is this important? Think of your enemy, Lucifer, the highest angel in heaven. God gave him great intelligence and organizational skills. He is about to give a great delusion into this world, as Matthew 24, 24 states, For they shall rise, false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So the question is, would you want to go against an adversary so advanced, so brilliant, with your intellect right now? Why should we fast? Number one, and this is the most important one, because Jesus, our creator and redeemer, said so about 2,000 years ago. Number two, because modern science is showing us the benefits of fasting for our bodies. Number three, with the amount of toxins in our food supply, would it, not, would it not be beneficial to give our bodies a break once in a while? But Scott, I work for a living. I try this fasting thing once. I get headaches. I get weak and shaky. I have a demanding job. I can't risk my job for this fasting thing. I totally agree with you. You can't risk your means to support your family, but you do get a week's vacation, don't you? Take one of your week's vacation and be in total misery at home. And for those of you that are retired and in good health, well, what's stopping you? There is a Bible story that I would like to focus on. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 22. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how shall I be with you? No, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a green of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now this is a very important part right here. How bet this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. We are all sinners. There is an area in our life where we stumble and fall. No matter how much praying you are doing, Satan has his claws in you. Prayer is not enough. If that's what you believe, then I am sorry. 
Verse 21 says, How about this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting? Satan will never let you go, and God can never save you unless you follow his word. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then you have to obey Jesus. In Matthew 6.16, Jesus says, When you fast. Fasting is very important. Fasting is the way in a Christian's life. Here's a thought right now. The first Sabbath is set aside so we can come together and fellowship one to another to get to know each other and to gorge ourselves. We, I have a radical idea here. How about we come to church in a fasting state? That's right. Don't have breakfast. And after the sermon, we still go downstairs. We still fellowship together. But instead of eating, we are praying as a church. We are praying for each other. We are praying that God gives us the victory over the hold that Satan has on us. So let me get this straight. We are downstairs praying with each other as we are fasting. So basically, we are fasting and praying. Didn't we just read that somewhere in the Bible about fasting and praying to break Satan's hold on us? In the Great Controversy, page 614 and 615, when the third angel's message closes, mercy will no longer plead for the guilty inhabitants of the earth. The people of God have accomplished their work. They have received the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, and they are prepared for the trying hour before them. Angels are hastening to and fro in heaven. An angel returning from the earth announces that his work is done. The final test has been brought upon the world, and all who have proved themselves loyal to divine precepts have received the seal of the living God. Then Jesus ceases his intercession in the sanctuary above. He lifts his hands and with a loud voice says, It is done. All the angelic hosts lay off their crowns as he makes a solemn announcement. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation 22.11 Every case has been decided for life or death. Christ has made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. The number of the subjects is made up. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven is about to be given to the heirs of salvation. And Jesus is to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he leaves the sanctuary, darkness covers the inhabitants of the earth. In that fearful time, the righteous must live in the sight of a holy God without an intercessor. End quote. At this time, the righteous has the character of Christ. How else can they live without an intercessor? My church family, 
the choices that we make on a daily basis has eternal consequences. You will either choose well and have eternal life, or you will choose not well and be destroyed in the lake of fire. The choice is yours. Are you heeding the warnings that God gave Ellen White for our time? Are you practicing to control your appetite, or is appetite controlling you? Who is in control? Thank you.